This episode is brought to you by Beloved Prosper, a whole life wellness coaching practice. Stop by BelovedProsper.com and sign up for a 20-minute complimentary coaching consultation to see if and how we may support you on your journey to whole life wellness. Beloved, it's your time. Welcome to Beloved Prospers to Give You Hope, a podcast where we share the goodness of God through the experiences of others to encourage you to hold tight to Christ, especially when times are tough. I'm Coach T, and I'm so happy to welcome you to our second episode, A Pure Heart and a Right Spirit. Have you ever felt that you didn't belong? Have you had a strong desire to be accepted by others? only to realize when you obtained what you thought you needed that something was still missing? No amount of stuff or accolades could fill that void. Well, today's special guest, Brandon Taylor, knows this all too well. So what hope do you have to share with others today? Oh, man, how long y'all got, Sister D? (laughs) (laughs) How long do y'all have? Well, we Um, have some time, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I was thinking about this topic of hope, I naturally, you know, thought about my own life story Mm. and uh, the trials that um, I've been through and and my childhood and leading into my adulthood And a lot of things that have happened that have really shaped who I am today. And, you know, despite the, the, the challenges, despite the, the hills that I've had to climb in many ways, uh, I can give God so much praise every single day because I know what he's done for me. And I would love to just share a bit of that if I can, uh, with your listeners. Yes. Yes. So I was born and raised in a Christian home. You know, my, my parents did. The best that they could to really lay a solid foundation for for me and for my younger sister. And, um, you know, we were active in church, uh, active in this, you know, children's choir and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, Every Sunday morning, we were raised in a Baptist church. So every Sunday morning, we were there, you know, dressed, you know, Easter program, Christmas program, y'all know the deal every single year, you know, and um, every single Sunday. And, you know, in, in my schooling, actually, though, I, I encountered a lot of challenges. Um, academically, I was I was you know on on par with where I needed to be, but socially, I you know endured a lot of bullying as a child. Mm. Went through some very very dark moments, and strangely enough, a lot of my memories from childhood are are me crying from all the you know things that people would say about me, and on the school bus, and this in the school, you know, in the hallways, and mm-hmm. in the classrooms. I mean, I just you know suffered a lot of bullying. Um, and, you know, as a child that, that had a very strong effect on my, on my mind and on, on, um, on just my outlook on the world, you know, I struggled a lot with having insecurity about myself, about my own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, at times I even wondered, like, do I even have somewhere where, where I can belong? Because like, mm. if you think about it, a majority of your childhood, right, like you're spending time in school. Right. If you're you know, going to public school, you're spending time in public school in these classrooms with these kids. And like if, 
if you constantly have a negative association with these environments, you begin to feel like you're an outcast. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I felt a lot of my childhood. And, and as I continued to, to get a little bit older, you know, third grade, fourth grade, and so on and so forth, I started trying to find different things that could satisfy my desire just to belong, just mm-hmm. to feel loved, um, just to feel accepted. And in, in, in middle school, one of the things that captivated me was um, pornography. Uh, I developed a, a strong, yeah, at a very early age, a strong addiction to pornography. What started as, you know, mild, it just continued to escalate, escalate as the, as the years went on. And I could tell that, you know, looking back on it, I, I realized how this was slowly changing my mind, slowly mm-hmm. changing the way I looked at the world, changing the way I looked at myself, how I looked at other people, especially women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and it got to the point where, you know, you know how sometimes like people have done research on, you know, those who are addicted to drugs or smoking or so it, it oftentimes it starts off very small. Right? Right, right. And then it grows into this addiction or to this, you know, this attraction that is so strong that you can't shake it. Right. And it just continues to escalate in the intensity of that addiction. And that's exactly how it was for me. So what started as just, you know, mild, on, on some scales grew into like, all right, now that I've seen all of this, I have to go out there and I have to practice this because what was happening before just was no longer enough, right? Wow. To satisfy the craving that I had inside of me to be accepted or to be loved. And so I started having these, these relationships with, you know, women, um, girls in my classes and, you know, in my school. And I, I started, you know, really objectifying a lot of these women that I was, you know, becoming involved with middle school, high school. Um, I was constantly trying to, you know, keep up that, that nice guy portrayal, right? But then, you know, I also had these, these ulterior motives as well. And I just w- was not a very good person in my, in my heart. I know that even still today, I'm not a good person, but I know that where I was then, mm-hmm. um, I was so um, distracted my mind was perverted and I just had a very misconstrued perception, I think, of relationships mm-hmm. and of women. And, you know, that carried over into like high school, as I mentioned, into, into my years in college where, you know, now I'm hundreds of miles away from home and I don't have to lie or deceive my parents about where my whereabouts are. I can just be wherever I want to be, right? Right, do whatever you want. Doing whatever I want to do. And unfortunately, that's how I spent a lot of my college years. Most of my college years were spent doing whatever I wanted to do. And and I knew that as long as I had relatively good grades, for the most part, um, that my parents, you know, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't worry too much about what I was actually doing on campus, you know, when they weren't calling to check on me, you know? Right. And, you know, after I went off to college, just hundreds of miles away from home, my desire to to be accepted and to find somewhere to belong continued to intensify. So like mm. now that I'm in these different relationships, I'm like, eh, like this is okay. But like, I want more. I constantly, I constantly just wanted more, wanted something else. And like I mentioned earlier, I, I have a younger sister, but I never had a brother um, at all. And I'd always grew up just kind of desiring to have like a, that brotherly relationship with somebody. And when I got to college, I came to find out about these things called fraternities. And so I took interest in a particular fraternity. I've done 
videos on this so folks can look that up if they are interested. But I took interest in these fraternities because I saw these groups of men that look like they had brotherly relationships and look like they supported one another. And I was like, hey, like I've never had anything like that before. I've had right. I've had some friends, but like those relationships like didn't really compare to like that brother to brother, you know, relationship that I was really craving. Mm-hmm. Um and so I sought out this fraternity involvement and I ultimately ended up pledging a fraternity, joining a fraternity and started becoming involved with all things in the fraternity. I mean, you just, you name it, I was involved with it, you know, community service, social parties, everything that all that you can imagine mm-hmm. in Black Greek letter life, I was a part of it. And a, a big part of that is the the party scene. And so I found myself craving that feeling of of wanting to be a part of something, wanting to be the life of the party and that sort of thing. I slipped into alcohol abuse, drug abuse, and like this is on top of all that I've already shared. Right. And so years of this, you know, I, I think I, I joined the fraternity at my sophomore year. And so for the duration of my college years, from that point on, I was involved in this fraternity. And I also was asked to be a part of two secret societies on campus as well. So these things, like as I'm kind of stacking up what many would call accolades, right? Right. Accolades. You know, I'm in my mind, I'm like, I'm becoming somebody. Like this is, I, I'm cool. You know, like you can't, you can't <laughs> say much to me at this point in my life. You know, that right. sophomore, junior year of Brandon, you couldn't say much to me. Um, I, I thought that I was just, I was the man, you know, and that, that's what, that's what consumed me. So I, I, I had mounted up these, these superficial labels and titles, all because I was craving still just to belong, just to be accepted. And uh, as the years went on and as the, you know, accolades continued to pile up and, you know, recognition across campus in different ways and stuff like that, it was crazy to me that the desire to belong, the craving to be accepted was still there. Like for some reason, it just like all this stuff just could not satisfy. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy to me, right? That like I had a girlfriend. I had, I was doing well in my schooling. I was a part of this fraternity. I was a part of these two secret societies. I had, you know, as president of this organization, that organization, like so many organizations I was involved in, but for some reason it still felt off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I had this moment where, um, I'll tell this story. I had a, a, a near death experience and I wish that this was the wake up call for me, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, I had been, I was, I was out partying one night with some friends and I ended up just um, drinking a lot that night. I could not, you know, navigate my own self back home. Wow. Um, I needed to have actually a friend of mine who was with me. He, I, this, this story was later told to me. Like, I, I can't even recall it of my own. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm looking out pieces, but just a very bad night. I think there, the, the story goes that one, at one point he like stopped um, holding on to me. So he like just let me stand still for a moment. And I ended up falling into like a gravel pit face oh, forward wow. into a wow. gravel pit. And I have the, the, the stitches on my upper lip to still remind me to this day. Like I don't have the stitches anywhere. You can still, you can still see the scar if you look closely enough to this day to remind me of that night. I woke up in the hospital. I had no idea how I got there. I had no idea what took place to lead me there. And the next couple of days, you know, my friends were like helping me piece together the story of what happened. I, I look back on that moment. I say, when I was told that my blood alcohol content level was three times, wow. over three times the legal limit wow. to, to drive, I say that it is truly only a miracle of God yeah. that I'm even alive today to tell the story. So many things could have happened. Yes. You know, I have friends and others that I know that 
that died from alcohol poisoning. Um, And for some reason- In college, in college. In college, in college. And and for some reason, the Lord saw it fit to allow me to go through that. And that for me, just like, it really speaks of God's mercy. And it gives me so much hope because I know that no matter the dark times that I've had in my life, God has had such abundant love for me, even when I was out here doing these foolish things with my body, foolish things to other people. God had so much love for me as a person, as as his son, as a child. Um, And he's constantly trying to woo me back to him. Right. You know, I'm, I'm currently reading through the book of Jeremiah, and I'm just seeing over and over and over again, how God constantly tries to, to get his children, get his child, his, his precious Israel back to him. Yes. So why do you, why do you continue to go out and do yes. these things? Or won't Turn. you be clean? Won't you be clean? And yeah. it's like at that point in my life, like there were so many moments where God was crying out to me, like, won't you be clean, Brandon? Won't you turn from these things? Can't you see that these, this environment that you're surrounding yourself with, that these people that you've, you've placed into your, your sphere of influence, um, mm. are not having your best interests in mind. Right. And right. Um, it took some time from there. I had a couple other, you know, encounters with alcohol and drugs that were pretty scary. It took some time, but it wasn't until I would say the spring of 2013, mm-hmm. things really started clicking. Hold on for one. I want to ask you this. I have so many questions I've been writing, I'm trying to write them down. They just <laughs> pop into my head. But you mentioned that this started very young, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with yeah. you wanting to have this desire to belong. You were always a good student. Um, you were raised in the church. So there was a foundation of God there in your there life. Was. Yeah. Good parents. You have a sister. So you love your family. And I just wondered, did you ever talk to your parents about this desire to belong? Mm. That's a really good question. Um you know, I I did share with them what was going on at school, but for some reason, uh, and, and my parents knew all the bullying that I was that I was encountering. They knew what people were saying to me, and my mom was actually even involved in the school system. She was a teacher, so like you know, she had some familiarity with kind of you know the environment and what was going on. I never could put words to what I was craving. You know, right. I just knew that like just things felt off, so I never knew how to really share it with somebody else. I never knew how, just until this year was the first year, this this year, 2020, that I actually had a a therapist. And like, that's when I actually started learning how to talk about some of the things that I've been through and and some of the deep emotions that I felt that I could never really put words to before. So at that time in my life, no, I I, I didn't, I didn't talk about it with my my parents because I I didn't know what I was trying to feel. Everything that I'm looking back on now, I'm like analyzing, you know, 29 years of my life. I'm, oh, that, that's what was going on during that time. That was, that's what was going on. So like now I'm just starting to put together those pieces. But, you know, as a young child, I didn't have any clue. Wow. And do you think that your parents, especially with the bullying, they did their best. They tried as best as they could. Did they know that it had turned to, you know, viewing pornography? Did they know that at all? I mean, I, I feel like my dad probably had like some inclinations about it. Like, cause you know, he's, I, I feel like he would just know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that they had a firm idea of how extensive it was. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they knew 
you know, of course, I mean, they, they tried to, I think, shelter me from the emotions that I was feeling about this bullying. Like I remember coming home many times, just crying in their arms because of how people really made me feel at school. Mm-hmm. So they tried to create like that, that loving home environment. But right. when you're looking at the amount of hours that you're spending at home and the amount of hours you're just spending in the school, this stuff was just constantly pounding on me. I didn't even mention the, the, the racism that I encountered as a child with people telling me that I wasn't black. That's a completely different story. Wow. Um, but yeah, just, just really, really a high level of bullying that took place. My parents did their best. But as far as the pornography and the other things, my parents did not know that until I disclosed it, I think, in full later on. Later on in life. Well, amen that you were able to tell them. Something else interesting that you were saying is that basically, as long as you were doing well in school and, uh, you know, having these achievements, you could continue living this lifestyle that really no one else was really paying attention to. Right. That That's the perception. I, I mean, like, I thought that if I just gave off this, because many people, if you, if you, if I share this story with people that I grew up with, a bit. <laughs> You know, not like, they'd be like, wait, not, not, not Brandon. No, that wasn't going on in his life. But it was like, yeah, like you can put up a persona or you can put up, you know, an outside, you know, kind of view of how you want people to, to view you and to look at you. Right. Um, but inside, you know, you and the Lord are truly the only ones that know what's really going on um, right. for most of the time, you know, mm-hmm. unless you invite somebody into your junk. So like, I, I just chose not to do that. Like I kept a close grip. But what I was experiencing, you know, internally mm-hmm. and just in my mind and things like that. When I talk about, you know, kind of how God brought me out of that, I'll even share more. But like, you know, people like, you know, my, my wife, who I met in college, she, she didn't even know about all the stuff that was going on. And she didn't find out until years later, you know, when I disclosed it and, and talked about it openly. So, um, yeah, you can you can fool a lot of people. Um, wow. You can't fool God. Nope. So, And amen to that, too, that you cannot fool God. So let's dig into 2013. So you said things started to change in 2013. What happened? Yeah. So at that time, I was a I was a senior in college and I was entering my my last my last semester on campus. And like, you know how, you know, most of the time in college, at least that's how it worked when I was there, that, you know, leading, I guess, like junior end of your junior year into the beginning of your senior year, everybody's out here starting to get, you know, job offers lined up and Mm -hmm. and interviews with, you know, companies that they're going to directly after graduation. And I'm sitting here entering my second semester of my senior year, and I have no idea Mm. what I'm doing. For some reason, I've been so consumed for the past, you know, couple of years, mounting up all these accolades and doing all these things on campus that I had not given true significant thought to what I was going to do with my life in four or five months, what was going to happen when I wasn't on this campus. Mm -hmm. And that was in the midst of me really hitting this rock bottom moment where I felt like I had not been preparing myself for this moment. I was, you know, scared about what I was going to be able to do. I was going to, was I going to have to go back home? Was I, did I have any plans at all? You know, at that point, for some reason, God, he led the way for me to start having a, a friendship with a young woman. And uh, we, div- we started becoming friends, very close friends. We had, the same, we had the same class. And at the beginning of it, we started sharing, um, I started sharing uh, exercise DVDs with her. Okay. Because um, she was interested in you know, becoming more, um, I guess, act physically active. And so I had these exercise DVDs. So I was willingly you know, offering them to her so she could use them. And you know, I was happy to share them. 
And as I began to talk to her more, I started to learn that she identified herself as a Christian. And just every single thing that you see in the Bible about how a Christian should live, Mm -hmm. how a Christian should carry themselves, was very strange that, you know, at that time, I started looking at her and I was like, man, like, she's a Christian and she really believes the stuff. You know, like she really, like she really believes the Bible. Like she really believes every single thing that the Bible says. We would have conversations just about relationships and about, you know, social life and about, you know, I mean, just how to carry yourself as an adult. I mean, just so many different things that we touched on. And she just kept referencing the Bible. And, you know, for me, as a young person at that time, I had never seen that. Mm. I had always seen people who, you know, just my own experience, people who call themselves Christian, but on Friday night, Saturday night, and sometimes other nights during the week, that seemed to be the furthest thought from their mind, um, wow. you know, and how they were carrying themselves and how they were speaking to other people and how they were interacting at different social events and, and that sort of thing. So for me to finally see someone who was truly desiring to follow the Lord in all that he says, I was like, man, well, maybe this Christian life really is possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that the, a, a seed of hope at that, at that point was planted in my heart that maybe God's word really is true. Okay. And by his strength, we really can live our lives as a witness for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe that God really allowed my path to cross with this young woman's path for a very special reason. It wasn't just because she one day would become my wife, but it was because the words that he shared with me through her, I think won my heart back to him. Wow. And that's so powerful for me is that the Lord knew where I was. I believe that he sent just angels to speak to (laughs) my wife at that point in time, you know, who was just a friend to show me that his word is true. Mm -hmm. He truly does have a love that's longing for, for me. And if I just surrender to him, that he can give me victory in all these other areas and not just victory, but he can also fill up that hole Mm -hmm. that I thought could only be filled by these mounting of different things that I put together, you know, in my life at that point. So it was a powerful experience in the spring of 2013. And I turned back to the Bible and I was just like, I went through, I think, Matthew to Revelation. I started out in the New Testament. I was like, hey, I got to start somewhere. So I started in the New Testament and I was like, all right, I got to cram it all in. I got to get all (laughs) that I can get in. Because like at that point in time, I had some drugs that I just flushed down the toilet. I had the alcohol they just thrown out of my room. Like I was really trying to correct my path. Like I was like, I don't want to do this stuff anymore. But if I do this, I need you to help me. Like I yeah. need you to kind of, you got, you got to meet me. You know, okay. <laughs> I can't do this on my own. And so I started just reading his word, pouring mm-hmm. over his word. And I was like, I often tell people, I was like, I was trying to make up for lost time. Cause I felt like mm-hmm. all those years that I had spent just out here doing all these different things to, you know, try to fill these voids in my life and not really turning to God. I felt like I had to cram it in. It was like, <laughs> you know, when you're preparing for that exam, that you yes. have for the next yes. day. Like, Lord, yes. I gotta, I gotta get ready. So I read through Matthew and Revelation, probably in like a, a series of days or weeks. It was very, it was very fast. Like I was like, I gotta get it all in. 
And at that point in time, man, so many transformational things just started happening. Like God really started just breaking down walls in my life, um, really giving me victory. Like I mentioned before, over pornography, over alcohol, over drugs, like over abusing women in relationships, you know, and you know, verbally and just you know, the sexual that had taken place. And so I, I just really started to experience a lot of transformation and I had to make a lot of apologies, mm. um, a lot of apologies during that season of my life. You know, it took me years to get to the point where I could, you know, try to reach back out to those who I had hurt um, and try to apologize and do my part for what I thought that the Lord was impressing me to do. It took me years right. to get there. Um, but by God's grace, you know, as I kept reading his word, I kept being filled with encouragement, filled with hope, filled with um, just that desire to um, to trust more and more in him every mm-hmm. single day. And, you know, one of the Bible verses that when I read it, I was like, man, me and David, we're like the same person. <laughs> it was like, it was like, and when, when, when I read Psalm 51, mm-hmm. uh, I just... I feel like that when David wrote that Psalm, I just feel like it, to me, the Bible is, there's no question the Bible is inspired. I'm like, Lord, I can relate to every single thing that this man is saying here. And I need you to do the exact same thing that you did in him. Like if David could be a man who had cheated on his wife, Mm -hmm. you know, been responsible for killing another man Mm -hmm. and then took that man's wife as his own. And still be called a man after God's own heart. I was like, Lord, <laughs> I know that you could also do the very same thing for me. Like, I know there's a lot of trash that I've, you know, taken myself through in my entire life, but I know that you can truly create in me a clean heart and renew Amen. a right spirit within me. I believe it, Amen. Lord. And so me being able to claim that verse was so critical to the years that came to follow after 2013. Because I'm telling you, when I told this fraternity that I no longer wanted to be a part of it. When I backed out of these secret societies, when I turned away from these relationships that were just, you know, not the ones I need to be in. When I turned away from these friends and these other associations that were not positive for me, the enemy was active. You know, he was active in trying to get to my mind and convince me that I was making a wrong decision. But as I continued to turn to the word of God, I said, all right, Lord, I'm putting your word and whatever this other stuff is next to it. And I'm saying, if something doesn't line up, I'm tossing it out. And that's right. how I treated that season in my life is that if it didn't line up with the word of God, then it, it just couldn't go forward with me. Right. Um, and, and by God's grace, that's the journey that I've been on. So, you know, I think that 2020 uh, will make it like a seven or eight, yeah, seven or eight years since that moment. So God is faithful. And I have some tips that, you know, I can certainly share with your listeners, but I would love to know if you have any, any questions about what I've shared so far. Shared so much. It's so rich. And I know people would be like, well, how did he overcome pornography? Like specifically, and how did, you know, and what happened? How did, how did this woman become his wife? You know what I'm saying? So that might be another time <laughs> um, because this is just, I know, right? yeah. yeah, it's just so rich. Um, what you have shared, how God basically sent help, um, whether she would have became your wife or not, he yeah. sent someone to provide help um, and to show you a different way. And because of that example, it changed your life. The Lord used it to change your life and to heal your broken heart and to show you who you really belong to. That's right. That's right. 
that was that was it for me. You know, when I when I came to see myself as someone that God had known, his word tells us that he knew, you know, when he knit us in the womb, he knew us. And to see that he desires us to live a, a life that is um, a witness for him and just to see the all the promises that God has for us as his yeah. children, um, it was transformational for me. At the end of the day, as I came to see this and as I continued to come to see this, I was like, Lord, this is this is it. Like this is this is the this is the it that I was searching for for my entire life, trying to, you know, fill it with all these relationships, money, accolades, people, all this stuff, all this junk. And it was right in front of me. It was the Lord who was desiring to have a relationship with me. And so when I when I began to see that, man, I just I had to turn from all that I had done. And I still have to turn day by day, you know? And, right. and some things, like the, the crazy thing about living that type of life is that the mental battle yeah. can still be something to overcome every single day. Yes. You know, the mental battle of like, man, like I'm not adequate enough. I'm not worthy enough. Like That's I, not from I've, God. <laughs> I've, I've done too much, you know? Like that can be mm-hmm. a battle that you have to overcome every day. And if you're yeah. not staying rooted, right? In God's word, then the enemy will try to pluck you off. That's right. So from that solid foundation you're trying to grip on. If you don't stay rooted in that, the yeah. enemy's trying to pluck you off. And, and so that's been the, I think the the seven year, seven year going on eight year journey that I've been on is just, I got to stay rooted. I got to stay right. connected every single day. Like even in 2013, even though at that point in time, I surrendered my whole heart to God. I'm learning that every single day, even now I have to surrender to God every single day. It's not just a one-time experience. No. Like, oh Lord, I surrender, you know, all to you, right? On, you know, March 17th, 2013, whatever it was. Like, you know, I surrender all to you, right? But no, it's like every, like today, yesterday, tomorrow, like I'm going to have to surrender again, you know? Yes. Um, because I recognize that this is, this is truly spiritual warfare. Yeah. Right? Um, but God's love, I believe, always prevails. And yes. so if we remain committed to him, and by his grace, I believe that he will have us be victorious. Yes. When you yeah. said committed, it just made me remember the scripture verse that he will help us to keep what we've committed to him. Mm. So how beautiful is that, that we have a Lord that is so invested in our salvation and seeing us be successful, that he's willing yeah. to help us to keep our commitment to him. Amen. It's, it's a beautiful gift. And what I love about your story, while it was challenging, The Lord knew your heart the whole time from when you were a little child and he knew what you were desperately seeking. And he spent Mm -hmm. that time reaching out to you and he never let you go. Amen. And he does that for all of us. He doesn't desire to let any of us go. He's reaching. He's calling. If we would just listen, if we would just see he's, he's calling after us. And so it's beautiful that he didn't let you go. It's beautiful that he sent you who just happened to become your bride, <laughs> but he sent <laughs> you this faithful, way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this faithful young yeah. woman to share the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. Um, and so, yes, as we are beginning to wrap up, I always want to share with our listeners some practical tips. How do you put the gospel and make it practical? <laughs> what are some mm. tips that you have from what you learned in your testimony? Yeah, so I'll I'll give three specific things that I feel have been most instrumental in my day by day walk 
um, since this point in my life. And, and the, the, I already mentioned the first word and the first word is to surrender every single day. I think that surrender, surrender to me looks like a life consecrated in prayer, a life mm. consecrated in, in devotion to the Lord. Um, you know, without my time of prayer and time of devotion with God every single day, my mind is so just bogged down with everything else that's going on. And I have mm-hmm. no um, defense set up. I have nothing to defend me, defend my mind from right. all these different attacks that are coming at me from, from this way and that way. Like I need to have that spiritual armor truly yeah. every single day. So that's what I would say first is to surrender your whole heart to God every single day. Yeah. Um, beyond that first, you know, when Oh, I met the Lord back in 2014. Like you got to meet the Lord every single every day. day. You know, you got to meet him. You got to meet him. I know you were baptized, but you got to meet him, right? <laughs> so you got to meet him every single day because um, he's waiting for you, right? Like yeah. guys, I know how it feels to have those days where it's like, you know, you got so much you want to do. You got so much you want to get done. It's like, oh, if I can just like not have devotion, or skip devotion for right now, or skip prayer for right now, I'll come back to it later. You never come back to it. You know, yeah. you never, you never come back. So you got to do it right there at the onset. You got to start the, start off the day, just like greeting the Lord and just asking for him um, to go before you yeah. in, in the entire day. The second thing I would say is to um, encourage people to survey the word of God and see what it says, mm. right? Like as you're reading his word and saying, Lord, what is your plan for my life? Don't depend on your own. You you mentioned that earlier. We cannot of our own strength keep the word of God. We need God to help us to remain committed to him, right? Help us to remain, you know, in his will. Um, And so as we're surveying the word of God, we need to also ask him for the strength, ask him for the will, right? If you don't have a, if you don't have a desire to pray, then you can go to the Lord and ask him, Lord, give me a desire to pray. Yes. Yes. <laughs> give me a desire to obey. Give me a desire to listen, a desire to read. Like plant that desire. I mean, I I used to hate reading, right? I, I grew up, I, I did not English was my least favorite class, right? And I, I did okay, but like English was my least favorite class. I love I was a math person, math, algebra, pre-calculus, all that stuff, calc, everything. Like I I could do that. But mm-hmm. English, I was like, this ain't for me. Um, but for some reason, in 2013, when I started reading more of the Word of God, for some reason, I developed a love for reading. Amen. And I believe that that was like God was giving me, I think, a, de- a desire to read His Word and a desire to read other, you know, inspirational and Christian books as well, Christian literature as well. So that was a blessing. Um, so surrender each and every day, survey the Word of God and ask for His help. And then number three, I would say is, to surround yourself with godly influences. That's right. Um, and set proper boundaries. Like, you know, I realized that for much of my life, I had had influences around me that were corrupting my mind. People that probably meant well, but just, you know, what they were doing, what they were saying and stuff like that just wasn't a positive influence. And like that plays a big part in our day-to-day walk, the people who we surround yeah. ourselves with. I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a quote out there that says, I think that you're, you're at the end of your life, you'll realize you're a combination, I guess, of the, the five closest people to you or something like that. I don't know what, I don't know what the quote is, but it's something like wow. that where it talks about how, how the people around you play such an important part in your character development and who you yeah. are. And so that's why I really want to encourage folks out there to surround yourself with godly influences and I, I'm telling you, when I started turning from 
these relationships that I had had for many years that were leading me astray. And I started actively seeking out relationships with people that were going to encourage me, were going to edify me, were going to pray for me, were going to, you know, um, stand by me, hold me accountable. Right. My life transforming my I, I, my whole outlook on life. Like I stopped having all these negative thoughts and all right. of a sudden I'm just being flooded with all these positive thoughts, you know? Yeah. And then the second part to that is also to, to set proper boundaries, you know, and this kind of gets a little bit into the pornography and the alcohol abuse and the drug use and stuff like that. Like you need to know your, your edges, right? You need to yeah. know kind of what are those things that I need to set up around me so that I don't you know, drift back into those things that I used to be bad right. at, I used to struggle with. And so for me, like, you know, I had to stop using my computer in private spaces. Like for me, I had mm-hmm. to stop associating with certain people. Like there's a certain boundaries I had to set up in my life and your browser search. They have these great tools out there now that can really help you stay away from those websites that you don't want to be visiting, you know, and they can have people Amen. who can hold you accountable and say, Hey brother, Hey sister, you know, how are right. you doing today? Like, you know, right. how, how are you, how are you, how are you faring, you know, with, with your walk and, you know, is there any way where I can pray for you? And like, that's an opportunity for somebody to hold you accountable lovingly as yeah. your brother and as your sister. So, um, yeah, those would be the three things for me is to surrender every single day, survey the word of God, and also to surround yourself with godly influences. And set those proper boundaries, like That's you your said. Proper boundaries, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, those are beautiful, and I love the alliteration. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might like that. I thought you I might love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I also love very much when you were talking about surveying the word of God, and when you were talking about the need to like to even ask God to help you to be willing to pray. I remember my husband would say, "If you don't love God, then." God already knows that. Tell him, (laughs) help me to love you, Lord. (laughs) It's like, you can't, you're only kidding yourself. The worst person that you could lie to is yourself because God already knows everything that's going on with us. So I love that you brought that point out that if anything is going on, we can go straight to the Lord and ask him for the help that we desperately need. And don't let go until he provides the answer that you, because he will give you the answer. If it's within his will, why wouldn't he want you to pray? Why wouldn't he want you to love him? You know, mm. those things are within his will. So amen. 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 Yeah. This has been such a blessing to talk with you, Brandon. And I know that your testimony is going to give many people hope because there's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. There's nothing yeah. new. Um, people yeah. are struggling with the very same things. You have shown that by the power of our living God, that mm. you can overcome by so, his grace. Amen. Yes. Amen. yes. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is great. I really enjoyed our conversation. If folks want to, you know, follow up yes. or, or be in touch, my wife and I, we have a YouTube channel. It's called Worth the Wait, yes. Godly Romance with Purpose. And you can find out more about my addiction to pornography journey and how the Lord brought me out of that. You can find out about how my wife and I really got to know one another and our whole you know, love story. You can find that out there. Come and come and check us out on YouTube. We love to uh, chat with you, and you can also find our email address, contact information, all there too. So, worth the wait. Godly romance with purpose. The word of the Lord says in Jeremiah thirty-one three, "I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you." Brandon's experience is a beautiful testimony to the goodness, patience, 
kindness, mighty mercy, and enduring love of God, who is always reaching out to you and me. He does not wish that any should perish. This testimony should also be a source of encouragement for those who live God's word. Stay faithful. Let your light shine so that others may be drawn to our Father. Beloved, I hope that this encourages you and gives you hope. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Maranatha. This episode is brought to you by Beloved Prosper, a whole life wellness coaching practice. Stop by BelovedProsper.com and sign up for a 20-minute complimentary coaching consultation to see if and how we may support you on your journey to whole life wellness. Beloved, it's your time.